Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Hi everybody, welcome to Amigos. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about Future War. Ooh. Last night the place of the Future War was all I saw on Channel 4. Now, what, what, Are you familiar with that song? Uh, no. That's the Smiths. Oh, that explains why. Do you like the Smiths, no, Aaron? I'm not. Are they, like, do, they, do they fall into the infamous category Listen, you're not, you? you're not going to get me lassoed in this early. I don't know enough about the Smiths to make a comment. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. So, Aaron, have you ever thought no. about... <laughs> have you ever thought, you know, this game is all about time travel? Yeah. Would you rather travel... If you've given the choice, you can only choose one. Would you rather travel into the past or the future? Well, if you asked me earlier, I'd say the future, but now I'm thinking I need to go back to the past about seven you, you hours. You can't change anything. <laughs> you can't change anything. Well, gosh... You know, the one thing about going back to the past, you know what you're getting. Okay? True. I want to go see Houdini. Bam. Mm-hmm. There's Houdini. I want to go back and watch X defeat Y in battle. Okay? In the future, it's a mixed bag. So if you say, I'm going to go 20 years in the future, well, there could be a massive nuclear war, mm-hmm. birdemic, or whatever yeah. kills everybody, then you're, nothing's going on, so you get screwed. So it's a sort of a... It's sort of a uh, it's sort of a chance, but I'm going to go ahead and take the chance. I think I would go to the you future. You would go. I would not because if I knew what was in the future and it was bad, and I came back to the present, it You'd would be, be real hard to go on living. Well, not really. I'll tell you why. Okay. Let's say you go 20 years in the future, world's mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you come back now. And you're how old are you now, Boat? About 37. 37. Okay. So you'd be that's still pretty. You'd be a younger-ish man when you, when the world ended. Yeah. Right? You just go. Absolutely insane. And just buy all those years. pinball machines. Just go, cr- no. Yeah, no. You just go crazy. You just spend all your money and go out and get a bunch of loans. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You're playing with house money. So for the last 20 years of your life, you could live like you've got 100 years to live. Just going crazy. That's a good point. I mm-hmm. never thought of that. Now, what you don't know is when the death started. <laughs> so, or how it happened. Because <laughs> right. what, if, what, if it was, what if the world was engulfed in a real painful death? Mm-hmm. You know, and it, then you were, and there was you might, mass food riots and yeah. stuff. And then you're like, uh-oh. You know, so. I, I got all these pinball machines in my basement. <laughs> <laughs> there could be a run on those. They, yeah. You'd be eating them at the end. That's a bummer. <laughs> that pen, that uh, that gumball machine in Twilight Zone. <laughs> Just licking the inside glass. <laughs> Horrible. So, speaking of the past and the future, mm-hmm. our man Dreamcatcher, our word on the street, our resident journalist, he has been back. He's, uh, he's, he's back again. He's reporting on quite an unusual game this week. Well, Aaron. let's talk about Dong. I mean, Doink. Donk. <laughs> it's not Doink it's Third or time's donk. the charm. He's talking about a game. Now, I'm not gonna lie to you. I've never, I've never played Donk. Donk is a duck-based game on the CD32. And uh, once again, if I had a nick of her to my head, I've never played X. But Dreamcatcher said why? I'd be a millionaire. You know, it's funny. You call it a duck-based game. I wonder if that's how Lemon categorizes it. You know, (laughs) platformer, comma duck-based, duck-based, duck-based game. (laughs) It's funny how ducks get a lot of play on the old platformers and whatnot. Uh, now, according to according to uh, DK here, as we talked about this, 
when Amiga Power reviewed Donk, it was formerly known as Dong. We had a long discussion on this. Well, it was kind of stupidly long about the word about Dong, the name of the of the game being Dong. Mm-hmm. What do you think is more marketable, Dong or Donk? Oh, Donk. You want a real hard consonant at the end of your titles. Really? Yeah. What did you learn that at? That's just marketing. It is. But well, I never heard that before. Yeah. Can you give me some examples of that? Yeah. Like um. Like Bonk. Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. Okay. Lyft. What about something like Instagram? That's not very hard. No, you don't. You don't always. You're want sort it. of making that up. Or Twitter. That doesn't have a hard thing at the end. Well, sometimes you want a soft thing. What about Microsoft? Is that? So- it's, it gets See, you both ways. Both. Yeah. That's the ultimate. That's why they're the most valuable company in the world. Personally, I'd go with Donk. But Dong is more funny, for the obvious reasons. This is a game, of course, like I said, we, we, it's some kind of crazy samurai duck game. Uh, I know De- this is getting a lot of attention uh, this week, and also it's, uh, uh, it's the usual super in-depth Dreamcatch article. You know, it's crazy in-depth. So if you're, a, if you're in a Dong or Donk, I guess I could have probably said it another way, but if you're in a Donk, go check this out. What if you're in a Doink? If you're in a doink or the many dinks that came with it, those are the little doinks, then go watch 1990s uh, WWF, which mm. you'll, you'll be seeing a lot of a doink. Okay. By the way, the new just a little tidbit, doink was actually a very accomplished wrestler from Oregon named Matt Bourne, the original doink. And Why did he agree to become such a lame clown? Well, here's what happens. You're an unemployed Oregonian wrestler, and some guy's like, hey, if you'll put on this outfit and act like an idiot, I'll give you a dump truck full of money. And two seconds later, he was putting on the makeup and the outfit <laughs> and going, hoo And that's why. Is that, is that, how much money would it take for you to humiliate yourself with national TV on a weekly basis? I'd take a quarter of a dump truck full of money. Really? Yeah. So your price is low. I come cheap. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, this week on ARG Presents, Aaron, you and Brent, this is probably one of my favorite episodes <laughs> of all time. <laughs> um, you do electronic board games. You're kidding me. This is one of your favorite episodes of I time? loved this episode. Nothing. I very rarely do I get fired up to play any of the games that you talk about. Yeah. Most of the time I'm like, well, I guess I just... <laughs> Thank you for that ringing endorsement, Bo. <laughs> but this, I was like, man, that D&D game, it just sounds awesome. Like, I've ne- I never watched the video. I only listened to the audio. And just hearing you describe it, I was like, boy, that sounds really cool. That was Brent describing that one. And Dark Tower, yeah. you know, Dark Tower, like, I'd never heard of it before. I'd never heard of Dark Tower, and it just sounded rad. And, um, like, the, the story about how it left the market, you know, rapidly was, was fascinating. You never heard of Dark Tower? No. I thought everyone knew about this one. No, I, I, ne- I never heard of it. I thought my electronic board game experience comes from those VHS uh, board games, which I don't know if you count those or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, the one with the... the in, Actually, no, that's not even an electronic. What was the game that had the big uh, boulder that would roll down? Or some, I don't that's know. That's newer, isn't it? The one we it was played. from the 90s. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, I, both of these games I was not familiar with, and uh, I want to play both. Unfortunately, they're both, I guess, expensive and hard to find complete now. You know, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to lie to you. I was worried about this episode of how it would be received because it is outside of the video game realm, but... Like I said, both these, especially Dark Tower, reminds me an awful lot of, of uh, Quest for the Rings, which we played. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's essentially a board game with a computer element, which is what this is. Uh, we were just lucky to actually own both these games uh, back in the day. Mom and Dad must have bought mortgage to farm. I don't know how we got it, but... Uh, and Dark Tower was not cheap, even when yeah. it was released. Uh, but uh, it was a lot of fun to go back and look at them. Uh, uh, gosh, it made me want to play Dark Tower again. The, Elect- the Electronic Dungeon Dragons computer game 
was a mixed bag. I mean, it really it did what it did well, but like I said, I remember not being happy with it just because it didn't. I didn't think it portrayed D and D, and you really didn't get a D and D feel for it. It was more of its own sort of game, mm-hmm. and they just kind of slapped the thing on there. But I mean, it was a beautiful looking game. Yeah, they both were, uh, and. Uh, uh, if you want to play these things now, I mean, you can get the D&D game for like, I think Brent said 50, 60 bucks, but you're going to pay hundreds of dollars for Dark Tower. And to get a complete one, you're really going to be, you know, buying the farm. I, I was afraid this one would get too boring because we kind of go in depth to try to talk about how the no, game's played. So. I, I didn't feel that way at all. Okay, I'll, I'll take a thousand of these over another Dreamcast episode any day Listen, of the week. Dreamcast 2 is coming, brother. <laughs> I should say this week, we, you know, it's funny, we spun, I don't know if you've gotten to the part where we actually picked next week's game. We uh, spun the wheel, and the deal we made was chat choice. It was, and of course, we usually do it with the people in the uh, chat room. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a huge turnout this week, uh, so there were, but there were people in there, and the, so we just said, "Listen, the first decent idea we see, bam!" And somebody suggested games about war, uh, so which is pretty broad. True. And so Brent picked <laughs> for this week for the upcoming episode, which will be taping uh, Sunday. Brent picked. Civilization on the end gauge, which I know wow. I don't know where he got that one, and so I picked uh, Beachhead Two for the C sixty four electric boogaloo. Now I picked Beachhead Two because one time somebody showed it to me back when I was in a long time ago, and I remember thinking, man, that's pretty cool, and it's sort of warlike. There's guys, it's shooting and soldiers and parachuting in, and you know, machine guns and stuff. So I picked that one, but Brent. We've, it comes to find out there is no emulation for the Engage. Yeah, team. I was shocked when I heard that on Discord. And so Engage, uh, so Brandon ended up having to switch platforms for his uh, for his game. Uh, but uh, Civilization, we actually covered that a long time ago on our show. And it, of course, we both are big fans mm-hmm, of that game. Yeah. So that, that's a that's a good choice for him. But I'm uh, re-experiencing Beachhead with 2019, Aaron. And it's a, it's quite eye opening because nineteen nineties era was or maybe even nineteen eighties era was like holy smokes! I remember I played it when it came out, so I mean it was a long time ago. It's one of the few things I played in sixty four that I remember. So we'll be looking at those this. I week. was gonna say, did you ever play any of those Avalon Hill war games? Those those tabletop games? I did, and they're they're I mean not much. I never mm. I don't think I ever completed one. They're super advanced. Yeah. And they're super long. Yeah. I mean, you would play those things. There's a running joke. If you're, there's a comic strip called Knights of the Dinner Table. It's about these role-playing guys. And there's a running joke that these two guys have been playing a, a war game, and it's been stuck in the basement for years. Mm. And that seems appropriate. Cause, I mean, mm. they just go on forever, yeah. you know. So I don't have that kind of time. Even back then, I was just like, this is not keeping my attention. No. So, I mean, there you go. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was fun. Board games are interesting, and like I said, but it's good to get back to the video game side of things this week. Well, it's good to get back on board the gamble train, Aaron. You know, the gamble train has been rolling through the woods of the Amiga News landscape, and it's finally coming to a clearing, and that clearing is this show. We're going to talk about all the latest Amiga News. This is the most elaborate intro for the news I've ever heard. Well, it's because there wasn't much Amiga News. You need news a fanfare for that. <laughs> the first thing, we got a couple, We got a, there was a couple things that I discovered that aren't really news, but they were new to me. And, I, and maybe that'll be new to you and you, the listener. So, uh, the first one. <laughs> Are we selling infomercial mops? What's happened here? <laughs> the Shawala. It's great. Um, how long has it been since you thought about the Shawala? A long time. Um, this is a podcast <laughs> called Bitstream. 
And uh, this guy talks about his memories of various computers in episode two, which just came out uh, on May 3rd, is memories of the Commodore Amiga. Oh. Now, at first I was like, oh, that seems lame, because everybody talks about their memories of the Commodore Amiga. So you buried, you buried this guy instantly. But I listened to it, and it was actually really cool, because he talks a lot <laughs> about the music in uh, different demos and different games and stuff, and then he plays the tracks. And it's kind of cool. It's like listening to a radio station with a DJ. Yeah. And he's like, this track right here, blah, blah, blah. he tells you the story and stuff. And I got into it, you know? Yeah. It's a lot of Euro dance trash that I'm not really into, but the stories were neat. And um, so What's I your had, problem with Euro dance music? I kind of... I highly recommend this is bitstream.uk is this guy's website. Sure. Uh, give it a listen. Um, it's a it's a it's a cool podcast and the guy's got a real a real good voice. And he had so. the only guy's name. No idea. The guy so they just this I think guy. his name might be Bitstream. Really? Yeah. I would mm. legally changed, of course. Um, Pretty our, good. our next bit of news is there is a boxed version, Aaron. This game has existed for a while, and we have not really talked about it before. I think this game might have originated before we started doing the show, or it slipped under the radar, because I don't remember talking about Pong 4K. Do you know anything about Pong 4K? I I don't recall it, no. Well, this is... uh, Intriguing name. Yeah. It looks... It actually looks really good. Uh, This is a CD32 game, and uh, it's it's like a, you know... Holy God, Yeah, many different variations of Pong. This actually looks like it's being played on a... um, on a uh, Speedball 2 course almost. Um, and uh, But anyway, there is a boxed version now available. Uh, so if you are one of those guys that likes to get your Mia uh, on the shelf, you know, get your games all lined up and looking pretty, check this out. Thanks to our pal Neil over at Indie Retro News. Uh, looks like, uh, let's see if we've got a price on this. Um, I want to say when I checked this out, it wasn't two, yeah, nine euros. So this thing is, is, is less than 10 bucks US. Uh, of course, it is seven bucks euro shipping, but I mean, twenty bucks for a boxed Amiga game in this day and age, and one that looks like it's pretty good, mm. I'd go for it. You know, four, up to four players. Mm-hmm. But you know, the one thing about a Pong game, you know, what what do you re, whenever you play a game like Pong or Warlords, what's the one almost definite thing you've got to have in your hot little hand? Paddle. That's right. Yeah, and that's going to be the that's what I wonder about because mm-hmm. it's a, you know those analog controls. You need that sort of and listen, the people. Don't talk much about the 2600 anymore, but it had top shelf paddles. Absolutely, and that's why games like Warlord break on stuff age great because mm-hmm. that stuff is. I mean, even on most main cabinets, for example, no, very few people have a, pa- a paddle or a spinner on there that you can use. Yeah, and really, there's a difference between a, a good paddle mm-hmm. and a spinner. Right, you know, spinner you can rub mm-hmm. that sucker that's, up. That's for paddle, Tempest, yeah. Paddle you want you want the fine. That's control. right. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, I'm, but I mean, this looks tremendous. I gotta give. I gotta say, I I've ever seen it before, and it looks really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't know. In fact, somebody. Did Chad just mentioned, I'm not, I've never tried hooking a paddle to the Amiga. Me neither. Know. Me neither. I don't know what happened. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. Now you can check it out. On one, well, you I'll, do it, I'll do it on my mini Amigas that oh, I have yeah. down here at Amiga Studios. Next up, Retro Ready 1. I know that you complain all the time about the poor service that you've accrued through the various Amiga buying establishments that you've tried throughout the years. I complained one time. Uh, this is a place that offers very cool-looking things that I've never seen before from the Amiga. Instead of linking to their store page, I linked to the EAB site because uh, Good one. it's uh, it shows things. It shows the stuff I want to see. Um, there is a wireless IDE solution for the Amiga 600 and the 1200, which is really cool. I think that your IDE uh, that's adapter. That's a cable IDE solution. That's yeah, a, that's what I'm talking about. What ah, that, sorry, I'll spoke. tell you. Do you know what that does? I'll, I can explain what okay. that is. I have seen this. This is a little gimmick that hooks into the IDE port mm-hmm. on the 1200. And it, what it does is it allows you to uh, 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 
have the card mounted through the, on the side of the uh, Amiga so you can actually exchange it whenever you want. Right, you know? right, right. So, so I think that's, that's cool. cool yeah. This is another thing that I thought was cool. This is a side-loading uh, PCMCI card slot. You can actually put this on the side of your Amiga. I'm going to scroll down. See right there? Uh, and it looks cool. It looks stock. It doesn't look hideous like some attempts to like use a hacksaw on the side of your case to, to drill out a here's gear tech a, here's hole or a, I would ignore you. Here's the thing about this that I like. Uh, I have a PC MCA uh, slot on the 1200, as you know. And you've got that gimmick sticking way out to the side. Mm -hmm. right? This, at least you've got... Because uh, I always worry about that. Do we complete, uh, so plus, this takes the wear and tear off that slot. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, there it's really easy to mangle said mm -hmm. slot, you know, so there you go. Are there a lot of PCMCIA solutions out there for the Amiga? I mean, can you take like a PC well, Ethernet PCMCI card and put it in there? Yes, you can. Now, the the narrow, I've even got a wireless card for the 1200. I really need to try to put it together sometime. It's, it was a leftover from my old computer warehouse days. Ironically, I just happened to have it sitting around. They're mostly what those things were used for back in the day were like hard cards or, or extra memory. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, nowadays people use them for like compact flash adapters, which is what I've got. And they work fine. So what's the advantage of using like a PCM, say, to, to compact flash versus getting one of those IDE to compact flash adapters? They're effectively the same. the same. Thing. I don't know if there's a speed. There may be a speed. I'm sure the IDE is faster. Mm -hmm. I can't sit here and give you hard numbers. The PCMCIA slot concept was always sort of goofy. Uh, it's that's one of those advancements in Amiga that was, I mean, they were catching up with laptops and mm -hmm. stuff uh, at the time. But really, I mean, really, when was the last time you even heard? If you weren't in the Amiga land, just think about PCMCA or PCMCA twos. No one, even, those things have been gone for decades. For a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And so anything you get on them now is going to be old. Um, and he's got various other uh, memory expansions and things. And so, anyway, if you're, if you're looking for, you know, to order from someplace, I think these guys are based in England, but I'm not sure. That was the default currency when I when I went on here. Uh, this is RetroReady.1. That looks like a little, uh, yeah, that's a 1208 meg expansion of the belly slot that you, they're looking at right there. I love it. I like that's I think that's good stuff. I like I like a hey, more the more the merrier when yeah. it comes to buying and selling stuff. Um, next up, it's been a while since we've plugged our good friend Lofarius. Uh, he's got <laughs> Did you stress low for some reason. Good <laughs> no. old Lofarius. That's Elvira. Uh, yeah, that's right. what it reminded me of. It's the same thing. Um, so Amiga Rama episode eighty. Can you believe? Our good buddy Keith has been doing this for 80 episodes. He, I will say, he is uh, he is on a Cal Ripken-like streak of not missing episodes. Yeah, he's covering Super Off-Road this week. This is a game that we have not yet covered on the Amiga, but we both love this game. You love this game too, don't you? Playing this in the arcade with a three-wheeled Dave, or was it, I know, it was, uh, uh, Ivan, Iron Man, Ivan Iron Man Stewart's Off-Road, three steering wheels. Uh, I've got a buddy here that had one of these, and we played it at his arcade party. It's all, I, I really like this in the arcade. You know, it's funny, uh, the Amiga version is, is a spitting image of yeah, the arcade. Yeah, it is. It you looks know, very, I, I've very good. I've played it many times. Yeah, Lafarius is, uh, he's always consistent. I mean, really, his show hasn't changed all that much. It's always been spot on. He mm. goes in, he gives some news, he does the does the shtick, and he's out. Yeah. You know, it's a good, tight package. Yeah, and much like a, our show. He's a good guy, too. Good, good, tight guy. package. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, so, and finally, uh, this is this is this is really the news of the week for me. 
You know, we've played Hunter a couple times. I, did, I think I saw this. Pop both up, both yeah. times we've played Hunter, I think it's been on a megathon, mm-hmm. and it's usually around like hour two hundred and seventy. So we're both kind of loopy when when we get to it. This is a really wacky open world game, and somebody has it modded this for some kind of a Doom engine. And the thing is, I've never seen a game Ooh. that looks like this. You know, just imagine like a first-person shooter on a 3D plane where there's elevation and stuff like that. It's really, really impressive. Um, you know, you're walking around the hunter world ostensibly, um, but you're you know you're you're picking up weapons and you're shooting dudes and you're doing all the stuff. Uh, what, that are, you do. what are they playing this on boat? Do so we know? Th- I, I want to say that this is, is this a PC. Uh, I would say that this is probably uh, through an emulator, but I, I would not. I would. I, I don't want to comment on that. Let's see if the YouTube uh, description has anything about the system. Because it looks pretty interesting, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think that this is a. Uh, but I mean, if you could get this kind of a thing running on on a on a stock Amiga of any that kind, that would be uh, unlikely. Yeah, I mean, this thing is running <laughs> super super smooth. But it is cool to see, you know, the Hunter world kind of expanded a little bit. We've played a couple of these kind of open world games, uh, like uh, and. Remember what was the game we played where you where you're flying the, the hell was it the chopper you flew around and you had to uh, you remember that yeah 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 it sort of reminds me of Hunter Z Wolf yeah I mean it's quite astounding mm-hmm. uh, especially the years these came out and what you had to work with it's quite remarkable that they could pull off something like this uh, you know, with given the you know the parameters the hardware they had to work with and this I will say this. It looks strangely appealing. Yeah, I don't know yeah. Why. There's just something about those old school. It kind of reminds me of that virtual racer, you know, uh, genre or you know, generation of, of bitmap or polygonal graphics. It's really cool. This is virtual killer. Yeah, I like it. That's my favorite kind of virtual. Mm. So, Aaron, that is the end of this week's Amiga news. Pretty good. Pretty good batch of news. Yeah, pretty week, good I batch think, of news. Yeah. The gamble train's pulling away. We'll see you next week. Let's talk about this week's game, Aaron. Future War. Should Future I start singing Wars. the Smiths again? No, I, know you love I don't I think. Sing. I don't think. In the, no, I would not recommend doing that. So, let's discuss Future Wars. Okay. Uh, in in the uh, as it's known, Ad- Future Wars Adventures in Time. Yeah. Now, this game has several different names. All right, I'm going to go through these things here. So, in in Europe, uh, Future Wars is subtitled as Time Travelers. In America, it was known. As, it was subtitled as Adventures in Time. And in France, it was known as Time Tribe Wars The Menace. Mm. I like that one, too. It's so, like that movie, Don't Be a Menace. No, it's not like that at all. Mm. So uh, this came out in 89. That's mm-hmm. very impressive, eh? And <laughs> released on two discs. This is one I I, I, back, I had this back in the day. Uh, and this was developed by Delphine Software. Now, listen to this who's who of good stuff that they've put out. Or that we've at least had found some merit in, right? They did Another World, mm-hmm. all right? They did Flashback. They did Cruise for a Corpse. Yeah. And they did the James Bond slash Operation Stealth game. That is a, quite a pedigree. Yeah, they've Except got, for that James Bond game. And, you know, well, I mean, Operation Stealth's pretty good. And Cruise for a Corpse had its charm. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's one and that, it, was, it was very unique in I terms think about of that game quite a bit. Games, yeah. Because it was, I mean, it was, in fact, it has some, there are some similarities, not in actual gameplay, but there are some, there are things that, that remind me of that game in this game. Really? Which we'll, yeah, which I'll get to. Um, this was coded by uh, Paul Cousset. Uh, C-U-I-S-S-E-T. You want to give it a whirl? Nope. No. Well, we're going to go with Cousset. Uh, he is the same fellow uh, that uh, uh, worked on uh, a lot of Cruise for Corpse and Flashback and James Bond. 
he also worked on a game called Bio Challenge. And if you played this game long enough, you'll actually see Bio Challenge mentioned in the game. Really? Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was kind of neat. It's a little callback to mm-hmm. one of his previous games. Um, so and this ran on the ran on the original o- OCS. I know the one I was. You know, it, it ran perfectly fine for me. Didn't have any trouble. I ran it emulated too, and I, I had to emulate it to save state, which I'll get to that in a minute. Um, this came out in more stuff than I would have ever guessed. Listen to this lineup, boat. I couldn't believe this when I read it. Atari ST, the NEC PC ninety eight. Odd. I already don't know what that is. Right, the PC, the Sharp 68X68000, okay, that's okay, a stunner. Yeah. And then, of course, they also supported Tandy slash PC Jitter graphics. Well, you need those Tandy graphics for these kind of colors. You, well, listen, Tandy graphics wouldn't feed the Bulldog on these. Mm. This is way out of its league. So, and I looked, and it were actually, I saw two or three different types of, of uh, box art as well. So, I don't know, I don't know, just different areas got different box mm-hmm. art for, for, for whatever reason. Um, so, this is a uh, this is sort of your classic point-and-click adventure game. And in this game, uh, you play a, a, an unnamed fellow who's simply known as the hero, right? And he is effect. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the hero is a window washer. Yes. Right. Uh, this game starts out with a really nice. Uh, cut scene or whatever of some people walking in the deep woods mm-hmm. being accosted by this UFO. Awesome. It's a very Close Encounters inspired UFO. Except in Close Encounters they weren't they weren't bacon suckers. Right. It's like a combination of Independence Day and Close Encounters. It's like it's a close yes that's exactly perfectly yeah. accurate. So uh, you starts off you're like okay this is going to be some sharp action mm-hmm. here. And then once you see this cut scene it, the title flashes up. Yeah and then late you, title. Then you get to the opening bit. And the opening bit is an exchange between uh, this window watcher and his boss, who's yelling at him to get busy. And the opening, you know you're in for a visual treat on the opening screen where you have this reflective uh, building that he's working on. And you can see the city behind that's reflected yeah. off the way. It's, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. beautiful. It's kind of it's that brownish evening is starting to come down. Yeah. And it's just, this is an absolute lovely scene in yeah. the boat. Yeah. Uh, and there's the dialogue. It's it's a red dialogue. It's not. It doesn't talk. There's no. Mm-hmm. You know, 1989 on two discs. Which is which? I yeah. wonder if any of the other ones actually had any sort of audio. They're talking about in the chat right now. They say no. Yeah, I see that. Uh, I, I saw that Rick Dershow says here a CD a TV version was playing. I didn't see that, and, and that would have probably been the angle they would have taken. Was, you know, again, do these games is is adding dialogue to them a good thing? We've debated this. You're not going to you're not going to see fully voiced uh, games this early, no matter if it's on the well, CD TV or not. But they could have added it. There's plenty of room on the CD TV to have added dialogue. I think so. Yeah, I, I think they would. Uh, anywho. Um, so you're the window washer, and you begin this quest. And you really the the funny thing about this game is you just sort of stumble into a. You're not even. It's not like you're got one out to save the world. You're just some schlup who's screwing around, yeah. basically, right? Yeah. Um, uh, this is a game that was meant to be the first of a series of games. Mm-hmm. Hence uh, the subtitle, probably. Right, and it never it never uh, came to fruition. Despite the fact that this game was uh, uh, pretty popular, mm-hmm. you know, and I hear it talked about quite a bit. Um, now we could sit here and tell you. I'll, I'll give you a brief synopsis of the plot. I don't want to ruin it for anybody. In fact, I didn't. I purposely didn't watch the ending so I could go back because I'm not quite through it uh, through the whole game. And I've been and I've needed a lot of help to get to where I am. Basically, 
your hero stumbles into effectively what is a time machine mm-hmm. and basically through his trials unco- uncovers this, uh, this scenario where aliens have went back in time. There's a war going on with the future the future uh, ancestors and I, whatever the future version of Earthlings, mm-hmm. and they're fighting these people. And the the crew the the Croons C R U G H O N Croons that sound right to you? Krogon. Yeah, I, I think your first one's probably right. Yeah, Croons. They're in the future. They're, we're at war with these Croons, and they're trying to uh, win. And so what they've done is went back in time, and they've planted these incredibly long fused time bombs and you're going back and trying to stop these things from going off and blowing it up blowing up these uh uh certain things that are protecting the earth from mm-hmm. in, from the total destruction right and trust me it's a pretty uh i went i read the whole plot and i was like man this is a real freaking uh this is a game where you read everything you've got it because i mean it's pretty deep mm-hmm. this is not like this is not a light subtext no. this is a hard plot right here so uh, and you're so you start out as like I said you're the window washer you stumble through time and if you find yourself in a swamp and like it's like medieval times and you're and you and, but I mean through all these elements the point and click is there and that is where we should st- start talking about the interface so boat what did you think about I mean I, I'm sure you like the grab but you can talk on that but what did you think about the you know the package of this game. What did you think about uh, the uh, the interface that you use? Because okay. you play a ton of these. So, you know, when you play enough point and clicks, you kind of develop your favorites. Mm-hmm. And I will say that this is a unique take on the uh, the interface. It, it utilizes um, the right mouse button to mm-hmm. open uh, uh, you know a menu, which gives you your your different options. And this is not the scum engine. It's not like Maniac Mansion where you have like 400 different commands of things you can do. They keep it simple, which I like. Um, I actually, you know, I think that everything about the interface is great except for one thing. What they should have done is they should have, whenever you want to examine something or take something, they should have programmed in a way for you to just walk to whatever you're going to automatically. Because without a doubt, you're going to want to pick up something. It'll say, come a little closer. You'll get closer, and then your body will be on top of the item, and you cannot select it. Yes, yes, I, uh, if I may. Uh, this was, uh, I agree 100% with what you're saying. This uh, interface, I mean, it is basic. Did I find this interface as comfortable or as easy to use as, as some of the previous games we've covered? No. Uh, I, I did not. Flight of the Amazon Queen, for example, I thought had a much better... That's a later game. Well, I'm just saying, I don't know the dates. I'm just saying I thought the interface was better. Sure. This one's okay, like you said. Well, the advantage, of course, is that you can draw full-screen environments when a game like this. Flight of the Amazon Queen, you're only getting three-quarters of the you're screen. You're right. You're right. However, a lot of the screens in this, uh, often you will be on a screen that's small, well, inexplicably you know, small. I think that that was an artistic decision. To simulate a room. Or, yeah, 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 and I like it. You know, a lot of people have problems with this. I was reading some other reviews, and but I think it's cool that it goes back and forth. You'll have some full screen affairs where you'll see like a big, you know, landscape or whatever, and then then whenever you go into a room, it'll just show you the room. It is. It's. I. I that's what I thought too. Uh, but it's still. It's. I thought it was strange. I. I, I mean, I get it. I get what they were doing. But is, is it that, really so strange? Yeah, it is. Well, it's, you've got the full. So basically, are we in a void because the whole rest of the screen is black? Do something with it. 
you don't have an interface up there, so you've got plenty of room to, you could make a big detailed room. That's, I mean, you can still make it look small, but you could fill up the screen. That's my opinion. So anyway, getting back to the interface, <clears throat> it's perfectly competent. It's very simple to use. Right click, you've got examine and, and use. I think Roy could have, David could have probably gotten away with getting rid of a, a, a command and compressing two commands into oh, one. Oh, sure. Thing. And you, you, know saw that, you saw that in later adventure games. Right, right. Because I think there's a little bit, I mean, it, like you said, it's not like Maniac Mansion where there's a big, huge grid of mm -hmm. things. But the, just like you mentioned, the, the get a little closer was the bane of my existence. You couldn't get close enough to this stuff. Now, there's a reason that they did that. And the reason is often in this game, there are little animations. That coincide with the your efforts. So, for example, uh, there's there's a bit where you're uh, where you're using a lance to poke something out of a tree, right? Getting to the exact spot where you want that to happen is difficult, and it's because to get to the exact spot you want, so they can trigger the animation that goes along with that event. Right. What you said is perfect. If they had just if you had said here, examine this. And they had moved you in the proper position, problem. So that would have been, that in itself would have repaired a lot of the aggravation from mm -hmm. this game. Um, now, I had a couple other gripes with it, if I may. And listen, I'm just going to say what it is. This is a pixel hunt extraordinaire. And I mean literally a pixel hunt. Mm -hmm. That that little that little thing gets thrown around, but this game requires you to find a pixel a couple times from not just a couple. Yeah, I mean, many well, times. I'm just saying I didn't go through the whole. I couldn't get far enough to get through the whole game, but just from the third or whatever I played, there were a bunch of times where I had to go and and literally hover around like a goof mm -hmm. trying to find these things. I mean, it happens in the very I almost, first room. I almost wanted to have cursor control of my like arrow key control of my cursor so I could go pixel by pixel this hunt for stuff. And what you said is dead on when you said that your guy would get in the way of stuff. That happens when you're that's the thing. He'll go to where you're pointing, but you don't want him there. Right. The pathfinding is 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 not great. It's not. And you'll get caught behind stuff sometimes mm -hmm. and it's it's a real hassle. Um Another gripe, we'll get the gripes out of the way first. Uh, this is one of those games that does something that I find uh, almost inexcusable. And that is mixing my point and click with some time-based stuff or some kind of arcade stuff that requires me to do stuff that's not point and click. I don't like This is that. the problem with, you know, the Elvira games and all those games do this sort of thing too, where you're you're, you're it's the same you, you have to make decisions based on a timing basis and that's always a huge drag and it sucks. There's a scene in this where you have to type you have to, you go into a room, it's early. You go into a room and you type in a code into this keypad. And you have to do this before you get smashed. And, and you can't just like go doop, 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 no. doop. You have to cl right click, pick the correct uh, well, thing. First you have to examine it. Right, right. And the whole time the ceiling's coming down. And so you're frantically trying to examine something and you're trying to operate it mm -hmm. and you're trying to hit the buttons. And this isn't like a two digit code. It's like, I think, as I recall, it's like a five digit code. Right. And you're sitting there trying this. And I finally, I just found someone that had a save game past that and just went to it because mm -hmm. I hated it. Mm -hmm. I couldn't stand that. And I remember this when I was at, from back in the day. It's the exact same room. Uh, there's the usual amounts of nonsensical puzzles. I mean, there's, again, uh, you're just right from Jump Street, the puzzles are goofy. At the very beginning, I'm going to spoil this, uh, your boss, when you try to leave, the boss comes and yells at you to get back to work. 
So what would you not do in that situation? The one thing I wouldn't do <laughs> is put a bucket over the door so and so it would fall on the boss's head. Right, right. It doesn't make any sense. There, the, the logic is not part of this game. Yeah. It's, it's basically just put things together until you happen upon the solution. <laughs> now, let's... we've. Those are my... You got any gripes that we didn't cover? Um, you know, it's... I don't have a problem with pixel hunting. What I have a problem with is, like, proximity pixel hunting, too. Because, like, later on in the game, I was watching a playthrough. And obviously, this is, like, Ironclaw doing this. He's no rookie when it comes to, to doing these playthroughs. There's a scene where you go far into the future, and you're in this wasteland, and you've got to search this rubble. If you're not close enough to the rubble you can still search it you can examine it but until you get close enough to examine it you won't find anything and so yeah. it's like if you want to make a pixel hunting game that's okay but don't make me like be in certain proximity to an item before you can even discover it you just remind me of something else this game is real strict on what's on the screen and so and you can get screwed if you're not paying attention i'll give you an example at the beginning of the game uh, i had played this keep this in mind it was but i'd lost it all there's a scene where you have to find a number to type in that code. Mm -hmm. So you have to explore uh, this office, and there's a uh, there's like a cabinet there. You click on the cabinet, it's locked, and you and try to use the key. The key doesn't work. Okay, you move on. Well, it turns out that the cabinet's split into like three sections, and sections one and three don't work with mm -hmm. the key, but two does. Yeah. And so you've got to put your mouse cursor on the exact right part of the cabinet. Now, in mm -hmm. most games... The whole cabinet is one solid thing that's right. going to unlock. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that and having that clue is pivotal. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't write it down, guess what? You're screwed. You're bugged. Yeah. And see, look, Ricky knows it. Something else. If you get further into the game without the with some and you don't have the things you need that you picked up, or you're bugged. Like you can't win. Right. Uh, there's a scene where you come across some uh, a, a big group of insects. Right. If you didn't pick up the insecticide like 400 years ago you're screwed yep you're screwed. and this is the same thing that they got sierra you know or back in the day with the king's quest games it was the same sort of deal and it's the thing that made lucas art so successful is they realized people don't like that no you know people don't they they, they want to be rewarded and challenged but not screwed <laughs> now you are correct and when you said this is a, a earlier than some of the other games you're talking about, because I mean, I, I feel like we should sort of grade the, grade this interface on a curve, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you, absolutely. You, again, you play way more of these than I mm -hmm. do, and I'm guessing that at this era, this was pretty much standard fare. Is oh, that right? yeah, absolutely. And um, this is the best of those early games. I mean, I can't think of any better King's Quest or I mean Sierra or Lucas Arts game in terms of like the scope. And, uh, you know, obviously the humor isn't there from, like, you know, Maniac Mansion or something like that. There are some but, funny bits in it. Yeah, yeah. But, like, the music, I love the music in this game. It was yeah. great. Yeah, the, and, mu the music tends, tends to trigger in certain screens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, know. which is fine. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a two-disc game. So many games that we play have no music at all except for the title screen. And yeah. so... Um, I thought, you know, the graphics are beautiful. The graphics, All the scenes are lovingly drawn. The graphics are at the tippity top of the food chain mm -hmm. in a game of this of this type, I think. Yeah. You've got, I mean, uh, the opening section on the on the building's awesome. The forests are lush and mm -hmm. beautiful. The, the medieval village is nice. There's a bit where you're in this sort of like pillared, I don't know if it's a church or it's a monastery. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. It goes off in the distance. Mm -hmm. uh, the hero has some personality, you know, although not a ton. It's no, not, he's a silent protagonist. Yeah, he's not like, say, the Monkey Island guy no. or, or the wizard no. guy that we played. This guy's much more low key, but he still has his moments. He'll mm -hmm. say something now and again. Uh, 
the uh, uh, the story and the graphics carry this game. Yeah, and so that makes it a tough game to to get a grip on in terms of what my thoughts on it because. Despite how annoying I got, how annoyed I got about it, it, there was the story kept me going and the graphics kept me going. I mean, it's another game you're not going to get through it quick. Your guy doesn't run. There's no jumping across the screen to leave, like mm-hmm. we talked about, which mm-hmm. I think was obviously developed later on in right. the game. Right. Do you remember when that sort of stuff started really coming out? Is there a game? Is there like a pivotal game in, in point and click that like the things changed a lot? Monkey Island really changed a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah. That, you think that's the one yeah. that, that that did that sort yeah. of stuff? Now, so how would you put in comparison? How would you rate this on uh, with Monkey Island? Not necessarily in the interface, but in terms of the overall. Presentation. Well, they're different. They're they're trying to tell different stories. Yeah. Uh, you know, Monkey Island is deliberately goofy. You know, everything it does is goofy, and humor appeals to me. So I'm more inclined to like Monkey Island. But I think that this is a different. Obviously, the 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 the. The characters on this game, the sprites are drawn much more small, so you can fit a lot more detail onto the screen. I think that you know the games are both equally beautiful; they're just drawn in different ways. Yeah, yeah. This game, it really said we the graphics in this are, are tippy top show. Now, do you do you recall how far you got in this? I mean, how did you do puzzle wise? I mean, obviously the puzzles are a little goofy. Did you did you well, fare pretty well given he, your track record? Here's the, the thing. You know, I wanted to see all of this game. Yeah. And so I played this for a while until I just got frustrated. And, um, do you remember I, what part derailed you? Oh, it was early on. It was like when I was, I, I got past the part that you did. I was able to enter the code, uh-huh. but I couldn't I put that. that red flag into the hole. I didn't I didn't think to do that. So and you had so, to cheat before you even get it. Well, at, yeah. at that point, I was like, you know what? If I'm going to cheat once, I might as well cheat forever. Yeah. And so I just watched. But here's the thing, man. I got just, I guarantee you, I had more fun watching a playthrough of this as if I would have played it. Because, I mean, just watching it, looking at you solve the puzzles and stuff, I don't know. I feel like all the frustration was removed and I could just enjoy the story because the story really is good and all the settings are cool and the puzzles are neat. I mean, a lot of the puzzles are kind of nonsensical, but when you watch them being solved, you're like, okay, that, that makes sense. So. Well, the, the, the frustration wasn't removed for me. As I lumbered through this thing, I spent hours. I had a lot. I had a plenty of time to spend with this game uh, 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 this week. I had Roy did. I had, and you know, th- as I've mentioned many times, this that game is not necessarily my bag. But I had and I had played it, and the plot appealed to me, so I had plenty of time to spend with it. And with the exception of the code room where I had to skip past it because I could not get that. I don't know what I was doing wrong. I couldn't get the code no. to work before getting smashed. But I ended up. Uh, I got to. I obviously got went back to the past. And I got to the point where you are, what you end up having to do is you have to set up in this tree for a while until this guy comes around and you steal his clothes, right? I'm sure I would have gotten past. I I, and that's what I said, there. okay, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I have no idea what I'm doing. Right. And so I had to get the, I had to go and cheat, mm. which I hate to do on these because I always feel like a jerk, but I did because I've got a limited timetable. I never feel like a jerk. Well, I mean, I always feel like a jerk yeah. just in general. But. And then, I, and then of course, you get your clothes. You actually change clothes and just in the first in the first year I went to it, I changed from, uh, I put on civvies, and then I put on uh, 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 a monk robe at mm-hmm. one point. I did that, and I managed to, uh, where was it? I was It was somewhere in a, oh, I know what it was. Uh, there was a guy that wanted uh, me to fetch a drink for him. That's as far as I got. I couldn't figure out I, what the heck I was doing right there. Uh, and so I went, finally I gave up and went and watched a playthrough. And of course I saw what I did wrong. And then I saw the guy, there's a secret door I didn't know about in the, mm. in the, in the cask room or mm. whatever. I was like, holy smokes. I was so, I was so far behind. 
But I had to cheat several times to get past stuff. I got past the entire... I got everything up to the point where I was at the lake without cheating. And then I had to cheat. Uh, but so I, I feel I feel vindicated doing it because it, I would never have figured it out. Yeah. Anytime you have to sit and wait in one of these games, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm always trying to be proactive. Mm-hmm. You know, I will say this isn't a game where you got to pick up like a zillion tons of stuff. Yeah. It's not they that they, they do good. The inventory is managed well. You know, but the, but the puzzles are just. I, I wish they had more sense to them. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I like to cruise the corpse. A lot. It's because there really wasn't any puzzle solved. It was more clue. Yeah, it was. It was more like a mystery story. It was more logical to Mm -hmm. me than just you know go like go get the lance to put the thing out of the tree. I mean, what is that? And you know, and again, on top of everything else, the frustration of doing it when you have to go to the exact right point, like Mm -hmm. we said with the pixels. If you miss that little flag, you're not going anywhere. If you miss, if you miss that key, you're not going anywhere. There's a key under the rug in the first room. Did you get that? Mm You know, you have to have that. You got to have that to unlock the door, right? Yeah. You're you're bone. I yeah. mean, those things are easy to miss. The bug spray. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be easy to miss. You right. Know? Right. So, it's. I would say this game. My feelings on it mixed bag. Yeah. And I'm guessing yours are about the same. So, what did the reviews have to say about this one, Aaron? Um, they were okay. You know, for the most part, I, they, it did get reviewed a ton. Uh, the people over at Lemon uh, were very impressed with it. They gave it an eight point two six. Uh, so a very high score. Uh, Amiga actually gave it 82, uh, and then they revised that three years later to an 85, which wow. is unusual. That very I've never rare. seen them revise yeah. it up before. Uh, Amiga Computer gave it a 93. Now Amiga Format, uh, 57%. Hmm. They weren't impressed. Uh, Amiga, and then they re- <laughs> the funny thing is their original review in 90, 84%, then they revised it down in 93 to 57. That's a precipitous drop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, for that game. And Amiga Power, 69%. So overall, the one gave an 88. So pretty good, pretty good reviews. You know, you're in that B range, I would say, which I, eh. Mm-hmm. B. I mean, at the time, yeah, maybe. You know, it's so beautiful. You can look, so, you know, you can look past some of well, the shortcomings. Our, our Discord reviews kind of mirror that. Uh, we got a ton of those. Yeah. Chris Fold says a visually impressive, and from the YouTube videos, a great story. But it's one of those annoying games where you have to mouse hover and click on every pixel to find things for which I don't have the patience. Five out of ten. Cameron Armstrong says. Beautiful world and entertaining story. Unfortunately, these are let down by unintuitive puzzles and items only one pixel in size to locate. I'm talking about you, little red flag on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Also let down by the fact that if you don't pick up a key item early on in the game, you will get stuck later. With a walkthrough handy, this is a gem that will keep you entertained for hours. 7 out of 10. Graham Vebke says, A great story potential and looks nice, but the gameplay ruins its chance at greatness. At times, I thought my mouse was acting up, but I just missed that one in 80,000 chance of clicking the right pixel. Yes. Unforgiving, too, if you missed something earlier without multiple save games. Give up and play Freddy Farkas Frontier Pharmacist instead. <laughs> uh, Pixels at Dawn says, I haven't picked up and played a new point-and-click for a while, but this was a great surprise to me. Really enjoyed my time with this game, played a few hours, and fully intend to come back and complete it. The only issues I had were some dodgy pathfinding and puzzles that relied on keeping a strict path, and a couple of puzzles that I wouldn't trigger just because I wasn't standing in exactly the right place. Yeah. 8 out of 10. And finally, Lobsterminator. He says, Did not get too far back in the day, but finished this with the help of a walkthrough some years back. 
I don't agree with most of the game design choices, but the beautiful art by Eric Chahi and the story still make this a classic. Seven out of ten. Yeah, I will say Chahi did a great job. You know, it's funny. I was I was wondering how you pronounce that, so I'm glad you jumped in there before I did. <laughs> uh, he did the graphics on Another World and Heart of the Alien, which was the the uh, the sequel that we never. That I think that ended up getting released on like the what was it, the Sega CD? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then eventually the Amiga. They, I think just last year someone ported it over. What was whenever you hear Another World, do you automatically think about that guy with the flip up sunglasses? No, and Theo. I, I've pulled that out of my mind. No, I think of uh, I think of uh, the Delphine classic out of this world. world. That's right. Mm. That's that's actually um, this. Let me tell you something, Boat. Uh, you're not gonna get this with cheap. Really? Off the old eBay. Yeah, I was surprised. Uh, uh, I saw one of these going for 124 bucks in the U.S. And if you're in Germany, 393 bucks. This is U.S. bucks, or wow. best offer. And then, but I mean, if you're quick on the draw, I saw one of these had sold recently for 20 bucks, and one in Denmark sold for 50 bucks. So, but they're still not they're not super cheap. And I, there weren't that many out there. I thought there'd be a lot more than than there was. Awesome. I like one of the boxes. Like, really has awesome artwork on it. The other one's like, eh, not so good. Uh, but uh, you know, it's it's that would be kind of fun to pick one up. But that's that's a lot of my price range. Real cheap. Me cheap too. Wide Me too. Um, so, Aaron, uh, last week our supporter song again. Uh, we have a new support page. Uh, we we have opened up uh, PayPal subscriptions. If you'd rather go that route rather than Patreon, you can find both links over at. Um, everythingamiga.com slash support. And we want to thank the Dunk, Duncan Styles for setting up that page. Uh, Johnny on the spot every yeah, time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, our supporter song last week, we had a couple correct entries. It was She's Electric by Oasis. Is that what that was? Yes, mm. yes. Now, mm. did you spend a lot of time with that with that Oasis album? What's the story of Morning Glory? It's a good album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did back at Lexmark. We listened to it quite a bit. That, that really was released in my formative years when I was about fifteen. That really had an effect on you. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, when we took that trip to Disney World with the band, that was the only CD I forgot my CDs. That was the only CD I brought. So I listened to it constantly for about seventeen. Oh hours. my god, that's that's too much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I uh, want to welcome some new supporters for the show. All right, we man. got two new Amigos fans. Tommy Solera Sarila. Sar- it looks like a wrestling name. Look at that. Tommy Sarila. Tommy Sarila. Right, right. Like and of course, uh, writer of the Divine Comedy, Dante. Glad to see he's on board. Yes, he's on board. Um, and we also like to especially welcome our new Amigos supporters mm. Free Lunch and Gary Heather. Free, free Lunch and Gary Heather. Now, Free Lunch, we've seen him. On and off for he, many, he, many he, times. He upgraded his, uh, his, his 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 support, so we, we we thank you very very much. And welcome aboard, Gary. This is going to be your first time in the song, guys. So get ready. This is a good one. <clears throat> so if you know this week's supporter song challenge, you can send me a message at john at amigospodcast dot com, and uh, I will read you as one of the winners. All right. Okay? <laughs> Sort of a warm-up idea. Is that what that was? Yeah. I thought you were passing a stone or something. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry. Gary, Heather, Free Lunch, Kate Fox, David Pickford, Cameron Armstrong, Andy Jones, Lobsterminator. I know it. Craig McClellan, 10-Minute Amiga, 
Retrocast Counting Virtual Sheep Bernard Quinn Retroman Cave Tim Drew Simon Rose Joseph Harrison Kyle Etter Robbo Hera Howard Nibs Matthew Larimore, Andy Craig, Sean So, Darren Lomax, Colin419, Barkbit, Roland Burke, Andrew Monkshler, Joe the Zombie, John Cook, Dan Ross, Leaf Killon, Alan Kebab, Chicote Level, Lord John Marshall, Matthew Perron, Ricky DeRosha, Creepy Dead Boy, Figgy CTZ, The Slow Norris, Stefan Sorgorn, Mortensen, <laughs> Edwin Helen, Window 75, Christopher Hassel, Ravi Abbott, Chris Folds, Dreamcatcher, Lauren Jeru, Graham Vepke, Lane Denson, Adam Bradders, B. Brines, Richard Vintage, Gary Hucker, C. Brian Jones, Paul Harrington, Bossman, Duncan Styles, Alan Kebab, Tapes from the Crypt, Josh Nan, Adam Badley, Jonas Rulo, T.A.H.T. Eric Nelson, Kim Tommy, Humbert Shad, Daniel Bingston, Brutal Barracuda, Darren Coles, Jason Warns, Pixels at Dawn, Kjolbjorn Barman. Nice. Beautiful. That was I brought a tear to a glass eye. You're gonna have to you got too many names, so you get to start singing operas. Well I was thinking like, about, yeah, yeah. I wanna have to there's only so many American pies out there, you yeah. know. <laughs> gonna have to if you know a song that's over ten minutes long. Oh my god. Would... <laughs> I don't think anyone wants to sit through that, my god. That was that was very that was very folky there, Bo. Well, thank you. They they call me a folky from Muskogee. No, they don't call you that. I can't tell you what you call you on the air. I'll tell you later. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Next week, I I cannot tell you. <laughs> I <laughs> I, <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am about this particular title. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting almost five long years to do a cricket show. Oh. on this podcast. It's finally, happened, it's it? come. Oh. Next week, we are going to play Battle for the Ashes. So much like the other shows where I don't know anything about the sport, I've got to spend half the week learning the sport and half the week playing the well, game. Well, i tell you what's going to happen. This yeah. is going to be another Hurricane Higgins where we just spend, we spend countless hours on YouTube watching, watching documentaries. <laughs> yep. Oh, my God. Uh, Jimmy White. Hurricane Higgins, I've Jockey got, Wilson. I, I've learned a lot about uh, darts. I've learned a lot snooker. about life. Yeah, <laughs> life in 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 depressed towns you, in Britain. Do you and, know anything about cricket at all? Nothing. I mean, I don't know anything. I have about a cricket it. ball that someone gave me when really? I lived in England. I'll put that on the table. The only crookedy thing I know is that uh, uh, Peter Davidson, when he was Doctor Who, he wore like a crooked outfit. This is how little I know about cricket. And this is a true story. I listen to the ESPN Switch Hit Cricket podcast whenever I can't sleep. Like if I wake up and it's in the middle of the night, I put that on and it's two British guys talking about stuff I have no idea, and they talk in a real calm, quiet voice. Is that voice. where Sticky Wicket came yes, from? Yes, that's okay. a Sticky there Wicket. Yeah. See, we, I know something. I guess now. Actually, I, I don't know if that's true or not. It might come from croquet. <laughs> Why did you say it did? Well, I'm affirmation. You want no, affirmation? No, I do know about croquet. 
When are we going to cover the croquet sport in the, in the... Ask the game selection committee, man. Croquet might be like croquet. It looks sort of like croquet baseball at a kid, right? That's true. That's true. It's the same sort of downward sweeping motion with you the get a, I've seen plenty of guys get smacked with those bats and the young ones. That's a that's a favorite weapon. That, oh man! There's not too many wrestlers that use cricket bats. There should be. I wonder too. if giant haystacks ever pulled one out from. I went to a show where there's a British guy that was managing this other guy, and he whacked to do with a cricket bat at the show. That's what I like to see. Although I think he was actually Australian, but he pretended to be. The manager of Spinal Tap carried a cricket bat. It make, why? Just in case, you mm. never know. It doesn't look like you could just beat someone. You could wreck with. somebody with a cricket yeah. bat. Mm. Yeah, I need to get one of those. All right, so we'll be back next week with that. Keep on playing the Amigo. We want to thank you, all of you fine folks in the chat. Um, we big record the show today. live every Friday night. We're back on schedule, and it shows from our turnout. Gary Hucker, Graham Vebke, Lobs Germinator X, Pixels at Dawn, Edvin Helland, uh, Pishbot, Treyguard1982, Henrik Anderson. Um, thank you guys. Retro Tech and Toys was here. Um, anybody that is is like silently lurking in the uh, like in the, in the chat, in Will Williams is here. So thank you guys so much for for showing up. It's always a party in the chat, um, and thank you for listening. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, it's fantastic, mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, That's why we're here, man. You know, Aaron. Before we go, episode two hundred is mm-hmm. right around the corner. Is it? Uh, this is episode one ninety eight. Oh so, crap! Yes. <laughs> So, wow, we've um, really <laughs> thank God we've got the machinations. Everything's been rolling in the background. We don't we have got nothing. Right. So we're gonna get we're gonna get started planning this. But I will tell you that um, we <laughs> luckily Aaron and I are both off uh, on that Friday. No, uh, I'm off on Monday. Oh, I just asked you if you were off yeah, on the Friday. Memorial Day weekend it doesn't start on Friday. I literally asked you, are you off the Friday of no, Memorial you didn't. Day you asked weekend? Me if I was off Memorial Day. Would you Day. like me to pull out the Discord? No. Well, I will. We don't have time for this banter. So he was wrong. Aaron is not off on Memorial Day, but I am. So we're gonna have to start the I'll recording. I'll still be around. Okay, so we'll we'll still record the show. It'll be at a normal time. We won't be able to start early, but uh, we're gonna have call-ins. We're gonna be talking about uh, memories of the show. Um, if you've got uh, memories of, or not really memories, but like if you want to write in about what the show uh, means to you or any kind of sappy thing like that, we're all about the sap on episode two hundred. Or any of the many times I've screwed something. We're up. gonna drill Excuse into me. the tree and let the sap flow. Is that what it is? Yeah, you could be blowing your nose with a pancake. It's gonna be so sappy. That's all I do. <laughs> um, so. Keep your eye out for more news on that coming out, uh, especially if you're on our Discord channel. After we plan it. Yeah.